morning. Well, nice to be here again uh, with you. Um, my family says hello. They couldn't make it this week. Some of the kids aren't well, so it was a nice, quiet, peaceful drive down this time compared to last week. That was hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> Hopefully that's in the right slot for this thing. Um, if you weren't here uh, a few weeks ago, my name is Stephen. My wife Heather and I, we uh, serve with New Tribes Mission uh, up in uh, Northcoats where uh, we get to uh, just play a small part in what God is doing in preparing people uh, who have the desire to take the gospel to uh, people in the world who have never heard it before uh, and never will hear it unless somebody actually goes uh, and tells them. So uh, we love what we do. Um, there's a, a, it's not a phrase that I came up with or I, we have an electrician that comes on our site and every time you ask him how you do and he says living the dream. And so I've sort of stolen that. And if, uh, if somebody asks me, how, you know, how's it going? How am I doing? Uh, living the dream, right? We, we are living the dream, right? Uh, uh, for us anyways, it might not be your dream. Uh, getting to uh, stand up in front and teach people might be your nightmare. I understand that. But uh, for us anyways, uh, we love what we do. We're so uh, excited to be doing it. And uh, also uh, really just happy to be able to serve you today as well uh, through coming down here uh, and sharing uh, from this uh, passage of Scripture uh, with you. I trust you will be encouraged today. I trust you will be blessed um, uh, just as we meet together. Wonderful to be able to meet together and have confidence that that will happen. Not because of what we sing or what I say or what anybody else does, but because this is a place that God has chosen to encourage his people through, right? The, the fellowship together of his, uh, of his church. So that's his job today, right? That's not, I don't come with the pressure of having to do that. This is like, Lord, this is what you do. So um, that takes pressure off of, uh, that takes definitely off of me. Anyway, so there's our, our passage that we're looking at this morning, Genesis 17, 15 to 21. Uh, I'm sure you're there already. Keep your Bibles open. Here we are continuing our journey uh, with Abraham uh, and the uh, important biblical record uh, of uh, God's uh, dealings uh, with him. Uh, by this stage, uh, God and Abraham uh, have had a number of conversations uh, where God has been progressively uh, uh, open uh, and informative as well, uh, uh, not only regarding uh, Abraham's future, uh, but also the future of his descendants uh, as well. Uh, you saw last week, I, I listened to Owen's uh, sermon there during the week. Always good to listen to the person before you, at least the person before you. Um, I was blessed by that. Thank you for uh, your ministry. Uh, but you heard uh, last week uh, and spent some time thinking about this just incredible uh, statement by God, uh, I am the Almighty, or I am uh, God Almighty. What a, what a statement uh, that is. And, and, and God quickly followed that up with the command to Abraham to walk Walk before me, be blameless, 
uh, and walk uh, before me. Now, we know enough about Abraham by now to say that he didn't always find that the easiest thing to do, right? That was a, a challenge. That, that's not an unfair, even unique uh, sort of criticism uh, of him because I can be the same way and you know that you can be uh, the same way uh, as well, right? We can uh, find that uh, challenging at times. We've also seen, though, uh, God's faithfulness uh, in his patience and his grace towards Abraham as he worked out uh, his purposes in and through Abraham. So that's where we're at. This is a shorter passage. I don't know if you sit in church on a Sunday morning and then a shorter passage is read and somehow your mind goes, ah, good, this will be a shorter sermon, <laughs> right? No? no? Good. Well, <laughs> I do. Uh, anyways, uh, <clears throat> in my experience, though, as a speaker and as a listener, a shorter passage does not always mean a, a shorter <laughs> sermon. Um, yeah, I have no idea. We'll see today. Uh, I understand, though, that, you know, this is Mother's Day. Uh, you will be wanting to celebrate maybe if your mother's close by with her or the mother of your uh, children. I'm looking forward most. Uh, my wife was still pretty much asleep when I left this morning, so um, the kids were up, so hopefully she's up by now. But anyways, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, looking forward to spending some time uh, with them today. So yes, this is a, 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 shorter, uh, a shorter passage uh, for us, but, uh, and actually even though it's a shorter one, I'm really going to really just be focusing on the first number of verses, uh, just to uh, see what, or that's at least what the Lord has laid on my heart so far. So uh, that's where we're at this morning. Right, Genesis 17, verse 15, God said to Abraham, God said uh, to Abraham, always great uh, at the beginning of a passage you're looking at for it to be very clear who's doing the speaking here, okay? God uh, said to Abraham, okay, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, uh, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Uh, I, I appreciate it being read earlier, just reading it again, just to keep it in our, in our minds here. I will bless her, moreover, I'll give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Abraham then fell on his face and laughed, said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name uh, Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring uh, after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. We see that happened as well. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time uh, next year. Can we pray for a moment uh, just to focus our hearts again uh, and for me as well to focus uh, my thoughts on the Lord. Father, we just thank you again for a time like this uh, where we get to uh, peacefully and without fear uh, of uh, people busting in our doors here to arrest us, that we can openly uh, study your word. 
uh, and spend time in it. Father, we trust uh, and expect uh, your Holy Spirit uh, to take your word uh, this morning and use it uh, in the hearts and lives uh, of your people uh, for their good uh, and for your glory. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I should have fancy music and dun 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 and prizes and that'll help you pay attention to me. Anyways, the quick overview, okay? So the passage has been read twice. Now, what do we see? Well, we see that Sarai has her name changed to Sarah. Uh, we see that God says that he will bless her uh, and that he will uh, give her a son. Uh, Abraham doubts, we'll talk about that. Uh, Abraham doubts that Sarah can have a child and sort of suggests something else to God. You know, what about, a, what about Ishmael here? here? Here's another solution. Uh, God rejects that uh, suggestion that Ishmael could be the answer to what God is doing here uh, and confirms, God confirms that he will do exactly uh, what he said he will do uh, through uh, Sarah. So let's start with Sarah, okay? That's where the verses uh, start with, okay? God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her, her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be uh, her name. So we saw earlier in the chapter uh, that Abram gets his name uh, changed to Abraham, and now we have Sarai's name being changed as well. Now, what's interesting, or maybe interesting for some people, is, you know, you can look at this in commentaries and stuff, and scholars will tell you that both names have been changed by simply adding the same Hebrew letter, essentially an H, uh, into it. Now, that makes it uh, quite uh, straightforward, but why the name changes? Why, why, uh, why, why is God changing names here? Well, just think about what's happening here. Think of this within its context, okay? Uh, this is in the context of God revealing uh, something significant that he is going to do, uh, that he is going to accomplish uh, through them. And he changes their names uh, to reflect and even emphasize uh, that uh, fact. Now, there could be other reasons to it as well, but let me just suggest uh, that one uh, there. Uh, both Sarai and Sarah uh, sort of carry at least the basic meaning of, of princess. Okay, there is a subtle difference though. Hebrew scholars again tell us that Sarai is the idea of my princess. Uh, so sort of carrying the idea of just a, a princess of one family uh, or within uh, one family, the, her influence and, and honor sort of limited uh, to within uh, one family. But Sarah uh, has a wider meaning, um, the princess taken to mean the princess of multitudes. Uh, here, which would obviously point to what God is about to do uh, through her and through her son. So Abraham goes from Abram to uh, Abram, Abram exalted father, as we heard last week, uh, to father of a great nation. And Sarah went from Sarai, sort of a princess, uh, to Sarah, the princess of multitudes. God is going to do something big and he's changing names. It's what he does, right? Uh, we know that names uh, are important uh, to God, uh, it's, so it's not a surprise that he would do something uh, like this. Uh, <clears throat> something I find in funny or interesting, whatever, is, is, is reading things like this and just letting your mind go a little bit and sort of wonder about what, what was the conversation like <laughs> Uh, between Abraham uh, and Sarah, you know, when he got home that evening, right? Walks into his tent, you know, walks in, is like, hiya, Sarah. Did you just call me Sarah? 
yeah, why'd you, why'd, why, why'd you call me Sarah? Uh, well, well, God told me to start calling you uh, Sarah. Oh, right, okay, cool. Um, by the way, we're having spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti, Sarah, I hate spaghetti. No, um, anyways, um, in our house when we have spaghetti, our middle child, Zoe, the louder one that was here last week, or they were all loud last week, but um, her, her response to spaghetti is, uh, Mommy, ah, why do you always make things we don't like? Um, anyways, um, I'm sure Abraham would have been kinder than that. So anyway, Sarah gets her name changed. Um, God changed her name, okay? Now he has more to say about Sarah, okay? Uh, he goes on in verse 16 saying, I will bless her. Uh, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she'll become nations. Kings of peoples uh, shall come from her. Now, Abraham, you would have to say, well, let's suggest that he might be getting used to God making promises to him. Okay, this, he's had a few uh, already, but this is the first time uh, that uh, specifically uh, anyways, or the first promise specifically to uh, Sarah or in reference uh, to Sarah. Uh, God says, I will bless her. The idea of blessing here is God will cause good to come uh, to Sarah. In other words, uh, Sarah is about to be on the receiving end of God's favor. Um, this word blessed or, or you know, blessed is, is used by so many people today. Uh, I'm tired of seeing footballers who have no thought of God and, and no desire of God walking around saying, you know, hashtag blessed. You know nothing of the blessing. That's not God's blessing, right? God's blessing is his favor, okay? Something good he is going to do here uh, for Sarah. And the result in this case, the result for Sarah, uh, the result of God's blessing would be something that Sarah has longed for, we assume, for her entire uh, married life, okay? God is going to give her a child. God is about to give a child uh, to a 90-year-old uh, woman who physically speaking is completely unable to have children, right? That really is quite a blessing, okay? Uh, God then repeats the phrase or this phrase, I will bless her. Uh, and this time he connects it with something in the future. So this repetition is drawing sort of some spe uh, special uh, emphasis uh, as such or special attention to the fact that God's blessing extends beyond the present for Sarah. It is a blessing for her to have a child, but God says, I'm gonna bless her more than that, okay? There's a connected uh, part uh, with the future uh, as well, because through this son, God says, Sarah will become the mother of nations uh, and kings will come from her. Uh, in other words, Sarah is about to be at the top of a pretty impressive family tree. Okay, I don't know, you know, family tree. I don't know if you ever looked at that sort of ancestry and all that going uh, all the way back. You do a family tree starting with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, and there's a few kings on the way down and uh, sort of impressive things uh, happening uh, there. Now, in the next chapter, whoever, whoever's speaking uh, for chapter 18, we'll get to deal with this one. But in the next chapter, we see that Sarah laughs uh, when she heard the Lord uh, say that she would have a child. 
Okay, the whole thing with the three guys sitting outside the tent and talking with Abraham, Sarah's listening, being, oh, I can't blame her, It'd be, she's being a bit nosy, you know, she got her ear up, trying to, trying to listen and hear she's going to have a child and she uh, laughs. It would seem from that then, uh, to me anyways, that, that Abraham didn't go home and mention the fact that she was going to have a baby, right? Doesn't seem to have given her uh, a heads up uh, about that one. Um, you could imagine maybe that conversation, a different one getting home that night. Uh, and, uh, hello, Abe, how was your day? Oh, well, you know, God spoke to me again. Oh, what did he say this time, right? What did he promise you this time, right? Does he not have anything to say about me? And, um, well, he, he said, gonna, you know, change your name. Oh, right, what is it? Sarah. Oh, that's kind of close to Sarah. Anyways, say anything else? Um... Well, there was something, can't really quite, what was it? Oh, I know what he said. Uh, you're gonna have a baby. What? You know, right? Well, that would have been a fun uh, conversation, okay? By this time next year, Sarah, God says you'll have a child, right? That would have probably uh, been quite a, quite a moment, quite a shock, but he doesn't seem to have told her that, right? The whole name thing, he had to tell her because God says, start calling her Sarah. So you can't get away with that one, right? Uh, but this part, the whole thing about having a son, he seems to have kept that quiet. Why? Why on earth would he keep that uh, quiet? Wouldn't that be something that Sarah would like to know? Has it not been difficult for Sarah during this time as well? And God says this, would it not be uh, great for her to hear that too? Uh, well, maybe we're given a clue in the next verses, right? We take verses 17 and 18 uh, together here. And it says, Abraham then fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man uh, who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live uh, before you. Uh, remember back to chapter 15, uh, where Abraham was kind of complaining uh, to God that, God, you haven't given me any children. Uh, and God tells him that he uh, would. Well, here is God telling Abraham that he is going to have a son with Sarah, and that son will be his heir. And we don't necessarily get the reaction here from Abraham that we might uh, be expecting. Why didn't Abraham just start jumping up and down uh, and saying, wow, you, you really are the Almighty? You really are God Almighty. I, I can't, can I go? I, 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 I wanna go tell Sarah, this is great news. Why, why was that not uh, his uh, reaction here? Instead, we're told that he laughed. Uh, now, why does he laugh? And that's a really tough question because even the commentators can't agree on why uh, Abraham uh, laughed uh, here. Is it a laugh of happiness? Uh, or is it a laugh of uh, unbelief? Okay, is Abraham laughing with joy uh, at the thought of having a son with his wife, Sarah? Or is he laughing because he thinks it's just absolutely bonkers that a hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman can have a child? Okay, which, uh, which is it? Now, when you might have different opinion than me, and that's, that, that's great. But when I look at this and see what Abraham says to God next uh, about Ishmael and how God responds to that, then I get the impression that this is not so much a laugh of happiness, but a bit of a laugh of, I, I think it's a little bit strong to say unbelief, uh, but at least a laugh of doubt. 
at least a bit of uh, doubt uh, in there. So why did Abraham seemingly not say anything to Sarah about having a son? Well, was it because he doubted it and didn't really want to get her hopes up? Maybe we could understand that. Maybe um, not sure. If I've got this one wrong, I will owe Abraham an apology when I see him up in heaven. If this was a laugh of happiness, I'll no problem say, sorry, mate, got that one way wrong. Apologies. And yeah, anyways, okay. In verse 18, it is apparent uh, to me anyways, and uh, that uh, Abraham does not accept that Sarah can have a child. And so he pursues another uh, possibility. Again, back in chapter 15, Abraham's solution for an heir uh, was Eleazar, okay? Uh, one of his servants, and God says, no, it will be your own son. Uh, and now we find Abraham proposing uh, to God that Ishmael is the solution, right? Uh, great plan, Lord. Here's, here's, a, here's a very pragmatic solution here. Uh, Ishmael, I already have this son. What about, what about him? Um, uh, God, remember, did not tell Abraham to go find another wife to have a son through her. Um, he didn't tell, her, tell him earlier that it would be from Sarah either, but he didn't tell him to go find another wife. So uh, it was human thinking, human planning uh, that sort of came up with that plan. Definitely not the Lord. So uh, let me suggest anyways that doubt is influencing Abraham uh, here. God, how, how can us oldies have a kid? How can we do that? Surely, surely Ishmael is a more realistic solution here. Uh, realistic uh, answer uh, to your plan here, Lord. And if that's the case, uh, doesn't this show us the, <clears throat> the seriousness, uh, the consequences uh, and the reach of such of doubt? Um, doubt can make you uh, question a promise of God and try to come up with your own solution to the situation. That's what doubt uh, can do. And that's serious. Okay. That's quite a, that's quite a consequence. Doubt can make you say to God, God, I don't think you really understand what's going on here. So would it not be better if you did it this way? Would it not be better if you, you know, here's my idea. I know I'm in the situation. I know what's happening. You know, what about this one? What about plan B uh, over here? Does Abraham think here that his circumstances are some way limiting uh, the promise of God? Uh, he's thinking that God is maybe ignoring some fundamental problems uh, here that make this whole idea of him and Sarah having a child just impossible. You know, again, God, have you, have you forgotten how old we are? Okay. Have you forgotten how long we've been waiting and trying even? Uh, it's like Abraham here uh, is forgetting who he is talking to. Okay. Who is the one who is speaking to him uh, here? So uh, when I was here a few weeks ago, we were looking in chapter 15 at God's promise of land uh, to uh, Abraham. Uh, and uh, how the name of God that was used within that context was Yahweh. And we thought of that as the continuing uh, one 
uh, a promise that would be fulfilled at some point in the future, right? His descendants getting uh, all of that land uh, and the fact that by Yahweh making the promise, the continuing one, God was still going to be around however many thousands of years later to fulfill and completely fulfill uh, that promise, okay? Because he is Yahweh. Well, here in chapter 17, uh, in, in, in what's recorded here of God speaking to uh, Abraham, verse 15 says, and God, uh, that is Elohim, and Elohim said uh, to Abraham. So uh, Elohim, that, that name for God, that is used right the way from the very beginning, Genesis 1, verse 1, uh, and God and Elohim uh, created uh, the heavens and the earth. Uh, when Yahweh is used, we've seen the idea of the continuing one. When Elohim is used, it's the idea of the strong one. Okay, it's used in connection with creation, the strong one. Okay, it is the strong one who is telling Abraham or saying to Abraham that he is about to perform a most incredible miracle in his life uh, and in uh, Sarah's life uh, as well. Now, how often, though, can we do the same thing uh, that Abraham uh, does uh, here? How often can we have the promises of God before us in his word, uh, in our own language, so easy to understand, in different versions that make it even easier to understand, uh, and we can read them, and how often we can forget, or seemingly forget, that it is the strong one who is making uh, the promises. Okay, uh, Elohim, the strong one, made these promises. Not the weak one, uh, not the sometimes strong one, depending if the circumstances are just right, or in certain situations he's the strong one, but in other times he's just the incapable one, and it's, I need to sort of take the slack up from his weakness in some way. No, 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 he is the strong one, the forever, the eternal uh, strong one. He is the supreme uh, deity. So he made these promises. Uh, and, and I need to be reminded of that this morning. And maybe some of you need to be reminded of that as well uh, this morning, that the promises of God who makes them? Who said them? Now, I know this topic of promises overlaps a little bit with what was on the uh, subject the last time I was here as well, so apologies uh, for that. I didn't just sort of cut and paste bits of the old sermon into this one to save some time, but it's the subject of promises coming up uh, again here uh, this morning. When it comes to the promises of God, uh, God simply expects us to believe them. There's no sort of asking and suggesting, you know what, it'd be really good if you could trust me. God says, trust me, okay? So he expects uh, his promises to simply be uh, believed and Abraham would seem to be struggling with that here, okay? Uh, do you have the same struggle? Do you ever have the same uh, struggle as, as Abraham does here? Uh, literally thousands of promises uh, here in this book uh, before us. Now we understand not all of them apply to us, right? I can't take this promise to Sarah and apply it to myself. That would be crazy, right? There's other promises as well that don't apply to me or you, but many thousands uh, significant ones uh, do as well, right? In this book uh, that we hold in our hands and can read anytime that we want to, uh, God promises uh, us to strengthen uh, and help you and to uphold you. 
Okay, he promises you rest and peace as you trust him. He promises to take care of you. He promises to provide for you. He promises to comfort you. He promises to give you wisdom. He promises to instruct you and guide you in the way that you should go. Okay, he promises that as you walk uh, with him, you will have his full attention. Okay, he promises that his eyes and his ears are on uh, the righteousness. He promises that you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. And that just is the first half a dozen, right? If we did all, however many thousand of them, this would turn from a shorter sermon to a longer uh, sermon. But we know the promises of God. Those are just uh, some of them there. And there is no reason at all to doubt even one single uh, promise, okay? In the history of the world, uh, the testimony of uh, his people throughout uh, the history of the world is consistent with the fact as well that God has never, ever, ever forgotten a promise. He has never broken a promise. He has not ever only partially fulfilled a promise because it turns out, oh, actually, I wasn't strong enough for that one. No. Okay. He does it uh, completely. It's who he is. It's part of his character. He is faithful. Uh, part of the statement of he is faithful is the fact that God cannot be unfaithful. I am faithful some of the time. You are faithful. You may be even faithful a lot of the time. But you are not faithful in the sense of you cannot be unfaithful. We make mistakes, right? I can break my word. I can make promises uh, even to those that I love the most in this world um, and, and fail in some of those areas. Okay, but not God. So believe him, okay? He is worthy uh, of all uh, of our trust. Now, something else here that we also need to understand in this context of uh, promises here uh, is that God fulfills his promises in his timing, okay? According to his uh, timing. Abraham, by this stage, has been waiting 25 years. Okay, 25 years for the fulfillment of the promise of a son. Now, I know people lived longer back in those days, but 25 years is still 25 years. Okay, that's still quite uh, a time. And from Abraham's point of view, nothing's happening. Nothing's be happening. Okay, 25 years. And we've seen at times he has just poured out his heart to the Lord. Uh, and a reflection of sometimes of his confusion, even of his despair. Okay, so this hasn't been easy uh, for him. Uh, but we find then that God is expecting patience uh, from Abraham here. Now, yes, God had a plan, absolutely, but there was timing uh, involved. And Abraham just simply had to deal with that. Okay, he just had to deal with it. That can be challenging, right? It can be challenging uh, when God waits until we are absolutely at the end of ourselves uh, before he uh, does what he says uh, that he will do. Okay, that is a challenging process. You could testify to that. We all could. Okay, uh, again, let's not judge Abraham too harshly here. He is still growing. Okay, he's still growing. Uh, this was definitely a growing experience for him. But God's timing is getting closer now, okay? Yeah, 25 years, but it's getting closer. Now it's only a year away, and he tells Abraham it's only a year uh, away. 
Isaac is born in chapter 21. Uh, we're in chapter 17. There's still, well, depending on how you look at it, three or four chapters of things happening in Abraham's life before God finally fulfills this promise. That means there's still more that God wants to do in Abraham's life before he fulfills uh, that uh, promise. Um, sort of uh, winding down here, let me, let me read a quote to you. It's sometimes you read something and it just, you know what, I couldn't put it any better in my own words. So here's a, 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 a quote here. It's a little bit longer, but anyways. Uh, this uh, interchange uh, between God and Abraham displays the character of faith. One way faith is uh, expressed is in a definite course of action, such as when Abraham left Haran in immediate response to God's call. Another way faith is expressed is by trusting God's promises over long spans of time despite ever-changing circumstances, including those that cast a heavy shadow over the promises. Even the greatest followers of God experience a mixture of faith and doubt when time passes with no concrete evidence that God's promise is going to be fulfilled. Faith hopes against the evidence, but at times it wilts before the reality of unrelenting circumstances. Uh, the inexorable ways of nature wear faith down. Doubt produced by the impossibility of the situation has a tendency to increase while waiting for God to act. While God remains silent, a person uh, is apt to follow a course that is a threat to faith. Often at such a juncture, God seeks to nurture the one whose faith is languishing, because he's gracious. As is the case here with Abraham, God offers encouragement to continue believing, uh, regardless of the nature of the obstacles. Now that it seemed impossible to Abraham and Sarah that the promise of an heir would be fulfilled, uh, God asked him to believe for one more year. Abraham accepted that challenge, right? And you can apply that same principle because uh, that's what we want to do with this. We learn from Abraham, learn from how God dealt uh, with Abraham, and we can apply and need to uh, apply those same principles to whatever situations we have in our lives today as well. Now, it seems sometimes so cliche to say that God will keep his promises, I don't care if it's cliche, let me say it. God will keep his promises. And we can say that, and anybody, right? We can, for, for a million or for all the sweets up here, who believes that God will keep his promises? And we all say, of course we do. But no sweets for you, those are for the kids, right? God will keep his promises. Of course we say we have to, we believe that. We, we're, we're good Christians, we have to say that. Okay, uh, but uh, how is it reflected in our lives? God will keep his promises, but the principle applies here that applied to Abraham, uh, that God has things that he needs to and wants to uh, teach and instill in us in that process of waiting until he does uh, fulfill uh, his promises. Uh, the question is, uh, will we allow him to do that? Will we let him uh, do that uh, in our lives? 
And as we look forward uh, as well to the fulfillment of one of the most exciting promises in this word, that Christ is coming back one day. Okay, as we look forward to the promise of the return of Jesus, uh, let us use the time wisely, this time in between until he fulfills even that promise. Uh, let us use it wisely. Let us be open and available for God to accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish in you and through you, not only as an individual, but also as a church, because God has purposes for you as a fellowship uh, as well. The life of faith, right? What a subject, right? The life of faith, simply believing what God says. As I say, I take what Abraham, uh, or what is revealed here about Abraham, to say that he found that a struggle sometimes, uh, that the doubts did come in. We look at it and go, 25 years he's been waiting. It's not an excuse for doubt. Maybe humanly speaking, we can say, well, I get that. I understand that a bit. But as far as God was concerned, God's expectation of Abraham was just that he continued uh, to believe him, okay? Continued to trust him. That is the life of faith. And that is the challenge uh, that all of us as his children uh, face uh, today uh, as well. And scripture reveals that that is the only way, right? The life of faith, faith, believing in God and doing, or believing what he says he will do, that is the, the only way to blessing. Okay, Abraham wasn't blessed. You know, he didn't accomplish God's plan by coming up with his own plans, right? It was sticking uh, to God's uh, promises. And it is my uh, and your uh, privilege to walk with him today and this week and experience more of his faithfulness. Uh, when it comes to him doing uh, what he will, or what he says uh, that he uh, will do. Isn't that a privilege? Right? It's difficult. Let's, let's, not, let's not pretend sometimes it's not. Uh, there's difficulties, and, and, and you might be there this morning just with basically your last ounces of strength clinging to promises that you see and trusting that God will fulfill uh, in your life. Well, we'll keep clinging. Okay? Keep clinging. Don't let go. It might be another 25 years. It might be this time next year as it was uh, for Abraham. Have the confidence because you can have the confidence uh, that God will do what he says uh, he will do. He proved it in the life of Abraham time and time again. And we can look back and see that. Let us take encouragement from that. Let us uh, look uh, and see, okay, this is the type of God we have. We have a God who keeps his promises. Okay, and he has been doing it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, uh, and he will uh, continue uh, to do that. So trust him, uh, enjoy his promises. What a privilege to read promises that we can read like that uh, and know that it is, it is Elohim. It is the strong one. It is the continuing one uh, who makes these promises, and that's why we're confident in them, okay? because of who uh, made them. All right, amen.